I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Tonight in chapter 17, we continue to talk about the advice that Ahithophel gave Absalom. Do you boys remember what David prayed for concerning Ahithophel's advice to Abraham? David prayed to the Lord that Ahithophel's advice to Absalom would be... (laughs) Foolish. Foolish. Good job, Rob. And in chapter 17, the advice continues. Ahithophel said to Absalom, I would choose 12,000 men and set out tonight in pursuit of David. Who is Absalom to David? Mm. Like, what's the relationship between Absalom and David? Uh, father and son? Yes. Just making, making sure we're, we're there. He said, I would attack him while he is weary and weak. I would strike him with terror, and then all the people with him will flee. I would strike down only the king and bring all the people back to you. The death of the man you seek will mean the return of all. All the people will be unharmed. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But Absalom said, Summon also Hushai, the archite, so we can hear what he has to say. When Hushai came to him, Absalom said, Ahithophel has given this advice. Should we do what he says? If not, give us your opinion. Hushai replied to Absalom, The advice Ahithophel has given is not good this time. You know your father and his men. They are fighters and are as fierce as a wild bear robbed of her cubs. Besides, your father is an experienced fighter. He will not spend the night with the troops. Even now, he is hidden in a cave or some other place. If he should attack your troops first, whoever hears about it will say, there has been a slaughter among the troops who follow Absalom. Then even the bravest soldier whose heart is like the heart of a lion will melt with fear For all Israel knows that your father is a fighter, and that those with him are brave. It kind of reminds me of, it's like a great quarterback in football, and he's down by a few points, and there's under two minutes left in the football game. It's like there's just this inherent knowledge of the viewer that he's going to win. You just know that guy's going to win because he's done it so many times before and he's so good at it. 
and you, no matter how crazy it is, you just know he's going to win. And David obviously would have that reputation with the Israelites that if he starts to win, he's going to win. That's been his reputation ever since he was young, right? Hushai's given him real good advice. If if there's even rumor that David's doing something and it is victorious, then it is going to crush the spirit of anybody who wants to fight against him. So I advise you, let all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, as numerous as the sand on the seashore, be gathered to you, with you yourself leading them into battle. Then we will attack him wherever he may be found, and we will fall on him as dew settles on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we will drag it down to the valley until not even a piece of it can be found. Remember that Hushai is there. Who sent Hushai there? Yes. So Hushai is actually working for who right now? David. David. That's right. David's behalf. So do you think Hushai really wants to bring David down and ruin him? No. No. He is flattering Absalom. He's using, he's appealing to Absalom's vanity. Do you boys know what vanity is? No. Vanity is when... <clears throat> you are outwardly full of yourself, like full of your appearance and things that uh, make you feel outwardly set apart in a, in a good way. You take a lot of pride in that. So an example of vanity might be someone who is addicted to working out where they're not working out for their own health anymore. They're not working out because it feels good. They're working out because they find identity in having a body that other people notice and look at. And again, there's nothing it's not there's nothing wrong with having a good body that you take care of, that you mind your nutrition and get your exercise. Those are good things. But there is a trap when you start to see those things as what gives you value as a human being. Because our value isn't in those. Those things will be lost. Someday, at some point in time, because of age, because of death, because of both, that physical body will be taken from you. And you're going to have to find a way to have an identity when all your strength is gone or your body is soft. So that's what vanity is. Hushai is appealing to that vanity in Absalom. Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The advice of Hushai the Akrite is better than that of Ahithophel. For the Lord had determined to frustrate the good advice of Ahithophel in order to bring disaster on Absalom. Quite wise. Verse 15. Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar the priests, Ahithophel has advised Absalom and the elders of Israel to do such and such, but I have advised them to do so and so. Now, send a message immediately and tell David, Do not spend the night at the fords in the desert. Cross over without fail, or the king and all the people with him will be swallowed up. Jonathan and Ahimaaz were staying 
at En Ragel. A servant girl was to go and inform them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they could not risk being seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So the two of them left quickly and went to the house of a man in Baharium. He had a well in his courtyard, and they climbed down into it. His wife took a covering and spread it over the opening of the well, and scattered grain over it. No one knew anything about it. What are they doing with him? Hiding. Hiding them. That's right. Good job picturing what's going on. When Absalom's men came to the woman at the house, they asked, Where are Ahimas and Jonathan? The woman answered them. They crossed over the brook. The men searched but found no one, so they returned to Jerusalem. After the men had gone, the two climbed out of the well and went to inform King David. They said to him, Set out and cross the river at once. Ahithophel has advised such and such against you. So David and all the people with him set out and crossed the Jordan. By daybreak, no one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. Do you remember, kind of we talked about in one one of these nights, or we've, we've talked about multiple times, that sometimes when they talk about an action that was taken in the Bible, sometimes the Lord is supporting that action, and sometimes he's just reporting it. And you understand the difference between supporting something and reporting something? Supporting is liking that it's happening. Reporting is just telling what happened. That's right. In this case, the woman lied. Did Jonathan and Ahimaaz cross the brook? No. <laughs> no. Question. Do you think that the Lord supported a lie? No. 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 The word is very clear about that. The Lord isn't supporting that decision. This is being reported in the word of God. I mean, whose side are we on right now? Right, but okay, so the fight is David and Absalom. Whose side are we on? David's. We're on David's. And it feels like the Lord is on David's side. So one might think, well, this is being reported, but it's being reported in a scenario where it help, it's helpful to David. True, but the Lord isn't confound to our cleverness and our ability to lie and sin to avoid our problems. I'm quite certain that if he was power enough to tear down the walls of Jericho, that if he is with you, he is able to stop Ahithophel's pursuing of these men. If the walls of Jericho fell, then how, how scary is Ahithophel? If the Red Sea was parted so that Israel could escape bondage, how, how difficult is the bondage of Ahithophel? Not that hard. No, right. The Lord hasn't changed. The hearts of his followers have. They're no longer living in accordance with trusting in him. They're living in accordance to a lot of other things, most namely a law. A law surrounded around what is good and what is evil. And the Lord, didn't he never wanted us to live according to what is good and what is evil. He just wanted us to trust this. I created you and I love you. Live according to that. To give us the free will to decide, he put a tree in the garden. Listen, if there's no tree, there's no free will. 
God's not actually giving you free will. In that case, you're just a robot. Brock, if I tell you, you wake up in the morning and there's cereal, a, a box of cereal on the counter. And I say, Brock, I've got good news for you. You can have whatever cereal you want as long as it's on this counter. I'm going to give you the free will to decide whatever cereal you want. You just have to pick from one on this counter. And I only put one cereal out there. Do you really have freedom of choice? No. 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 I have to supply you with multiple choices. Right? Now, I may put one cereal out there that's pure sugar and it's not good for you. It's fun to eat sometimes, but it's not good for you. And I may put out one that doesn't taste very good, but it's super healthy for you. What I would like as a father is for you, Brock, to pick out the healthy cereal. That's what I would like. But I want you in, to mature in your life to where at some point, and it doesn't have to be anytime soon, but at some point in your life, maybe when you're an adult, you'll choose the healthy option because you just believe that that's what's best for you. But do you see how if I only give you the healthy option, I actually haven't given you the freedom to choose anything? Yes. That's why, uh, in, in one sense, there's a lot of depth to this statement, but in one sense, that's why there was a tree in the garden that contained the knowledge of good and evil, is because if that tree doesn't exist, then we actually don't have a choice. If God says, I give you the freedom to choose me or reject me, but everything I put around you, you can only choose me with, then really we, we don't have freedom. We're just another puppet. And God doesn't want us to be a puppet. He wants us out of our own free will and choice to choose him. I think that's beautiful. How did we get off into that? Right. Oh, well, and it all, it all goes back to, you know, clearly we rejected to live according to that. We, record, we rejected to live according to the fact that he created us and he loves us and just to believe him and trust him in that. And throughout life, the people decided they wanted to live according to their own knowledge of what was good and or even the knowledge of God of what was good and what was evil. But they wanted to do something. They didn't want to be just acceptable to God because he created them and he loved them. They wanted to be like God and know what good was and know what bad was and, and, and eventually prove that they could be good, which was futile. Do you know what futile means? Like, um, crazy acting? Kind of. It means you never had a chance. It's futile to think that you're going to live perfectly and according, like, wholly according to God. Like, you can't be as powerful as God. Right. And thinking that you are is futile. It's not gonna happen plus you already broke the law like a million times if the old covenant still existed that's right that's absolutely right so people they didn't want to live according to that and that's why we see this change in the relationship but god hasn't changed we have changed even in this day and age you know we want to see i'm just going to stop it there we're we're in uh verse 22 and we'll, we'll pick up tomorrow but uh, I just want to stop there and say, even even this day, you know, I 
I truly believe in the continuation of the spiritual gifts. There are Christians who don't believe in the continuation of the spiritual gifts. You know what one of the spiritual gifts is? God. Healing. Laying on of hands. What's another one? Love. Love is a fruit. Love is a fruit of the Spirit, a, a gift. And that's okay. We don't, we don't need to get into that. My point is this. Um, some people don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still available to us. And that's fine. I, I don't think that's... Uh, we, we all believe in Jesus Christ. So I don't think this is like a hill that we need to die on. I always ask you guys this, but do you understand that analogy? It's not a hill we need to die on. What do you mean by it's not a hill we need to die on? <laughs> when, I, when I say that, uh, uh, a hill you would die on is if somebody said, if the statement was, Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay? That's a metaphorical hill that I will die on. I'm willing to take that statement to the grave. I'm willing to die over it. It means that much to me. Now, if somebody said, you're not smart. I'm not willing to die over that. I'm not willing to die on a hill over that. That's, okay, that's your opinion. That's not my opinion. You know, if somebody said, well, the the body of Jesus, when we take the, the bread during communion, it's symbolic of Christ's body, but it's not actually his body you're ingesting. Yeah. It's, it's kind of gross to eat somebody's body if you thought of it. Okay, well, there you go. So you and me have a little bit of a disconnect there. I believe that when you swallow the bread, it becomes his body. Okay? You are not, maybe your mind's not made up, or maybe you believe differently. But the point is, if somebody comes up to me and they want to have like, an argument that we're going to die over on that one, I'm not going to die on a hill over that. It's very important to me. My position on it is very important. But I'm not going to die on a hill over that. Really, the only one I will has to do with the identity that we have received, the inheritance that we have received through the death of Jesus Christ spiritually. That one I'm just un... I won't budge on. But that, so that's what dying on a hill means. And I'm going off into so many tangents that I can't even remember exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> well, we'll pick it up tomorrow. I'll listen to this and, and we'll pick it up tomorrow. Uh, I think this was good. This was good to talk about. It's always good to think about original creation, what happened, what the basis for our relationship was supposed to be, why there is no power in the old law or any law that has to do with the knowledge of good and evil that can save us. But that salvation is purely a gift given to us through the gospel, the new covenant, the good news that Jesus Christ died, forgave us of our sins, making it possible for the Holy Spirit to reside in us, right? We have been transformed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive and thus we are saved. And all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Alright boys, I'll, I'll figure it out tomorrow, but that was fun. I love you. Love you too. You guys are good kids.